0: The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au Welcome to the commentary booth, where we watch and you guest commentate on week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by an impact fee technician, who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street, and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe.
1: hey What's up? How's it going?
0: Not too much. Excited for another episode in our Last of Us series of reviews this week, looking at episode three.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I love looking forward to these. It's my favorite.
0: The problem with recording early, though, is we don't have the official title for this episode yet. So yeah, at the moment, it is literally just episode three.
1: I'm okay with that. It gives it like mystery, like you don't know what's going to happen yet. So I'm good with it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like chapters in a video game, too. Yeah, true. See.
0: So uh, this one is the, I think the biggest divergence away from the game, purely because like we've mentioned in previous reviews with this show, they are able to show us perspectives that we couldn't get in the game by playing as Joel or Ellie. So this one is our Frank and Bill episode. Overall, before we dive in too deeply, what did you think of this episode?
1: It's probably one of the saddest episodes so far. Probably (laughs) it is. It is the saddest episode so far.
0: Yeah, I I feel like this was the heaviest of them all so far.
1: I'm kind of glad that this was not in the game because I feel like if I had gotten that far in the game to like this point, I would have just bawled my eyes out and quit. That's fair. Yeah.
0: In the game, we kind of get subtle hints to this being the story, but there are a few changes along the way. So yeah, episode one of this season starts really heavy with. Like a couple of major deaths early but yeah this episode this whole episode is all about watching these two guys fall in love and then yeah incredibly sad tragic moment at the end
1: yeah why did why did it have to do that like i was happy with it like the couple that we saw like you know all right so and so died so and so died that's cool whatever i'm sad this was like oh here's the strong connection with this amazing couple of people and then we're gonna destroy your soul mm-hmm. and make you cry like super cry
0: by the end of this episode we're what three episodes into the season and we've had what was it two deaths in episode one uh yeah no three because there was that random the dude that screwed Tess over with the battery he died
1: yes robert died
0: robert sarah and then and the random, random little kid, random kid. So we get three in episode one. Yeah. Tess in episode two, and then Bill and Frank in episode three.
1: Can we just calm it down? Can we please calm it down, HBO? Th- three
0: three episodes in, six people are dead. Like, great. Thanks. Yeah. Plus the millions of other people that have been infected. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Like. Oh wait, episode one had the the old late the old couple, old family too.
1: And her whole family. That whole family's dead.
0: Three extra people. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so what is it? Like, we'll just, you know, round it up to a nice 10. (laughs)
0: Yeah, in three episodes. I think that perfectly sums up The Last of Us. Uh, yeah. Everyone dies.
1: Um, I would like it if nobody else died, but I feel like that is inevitable. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot more deaths to come, particularly episode four.
1: I don't, I could have lived without, without information. Mm-hmm. just let me let me live my happy fantasy world where everybody's just like you know okay after a while or you know i don't know like i know it wouldn't be a monumental game if there weren't a lot of close related deaths to the characters but still
0: yeah it wouldn't be the last of us without a bunch of deaths uh, yeah thanks so now as we dive into the, the episode coming off where we lost tess this episode starts with Joel building his little rock tower monument for Tess in the wilderness beside a river, ten miles west of Boston. I thought that was a really like heartfelt, touching way to start, and continues this tone of the season being quite sad.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that that's an accurate assessment. Um, I'm glad that he like didn't just you know call it a day and just be like, all right, well she's dead there's nothing we can do like be cold-hearted versus his approach to it where he wanted to at least you know do her the justice of having like a a mini little grave or something like that to remember her by
0: yeah he got to have his own like little moment alone and to sort of process it and grieve yeah although very briefly then we sort of get to see him uh being quite fatherly and comforting as well after we talked about how ellie took tess's death quite heavily we see joel give ellie his jacket so she can stay warm in the woods and i love her comment where it's her first time being in the woods because she's kind of grown up in the the quarantine zone and her little joke line of "It's a lot more bugs than i thought
1: yeah it really i think it really gets to show like just how um foreign everything is to ellie it's like outside of the wall you know I think people understand the gist of it where she's never seen the outside, but I don't think they really fully comprehend just how new everything is for her. So by her even just making those little comments, it really goes to show that she really has no idea what's out there and what's waiting for her out there, kind of, you know.
0: We sort of continue the story with them kind of building their connection when Ellie says to Joel, nobody made you do this. You simply needed a truck battery, so don't blame yourself and don't blame me for this because it's it's not my fault yeah which i thought was really good because you can sort of see in pedro's performance in that moment joel realizes that yeah ellie is right like he can't blame her he can't blame himself this is just the way this world is at the moment
1: yeah it's it's a really it's kind of like a grown-up thing for her to say you don't expect someone her age to have those kind of like thought processes or be that mindful of everything going around her but i think it kind of just shows her maturity level and the fact that because of the environment that she's grown up in it just made her that much more hardened i think to certain things um and made her realize that the the matters
0: yeah kind of every sort of kid in this universe has had to grow up quite quickly because if you don't like if you try and be a kid for too long you are not going to survive in this world
1: yeah none of the kids really have the the childlike mindset that you would expect a teenager to, to have they all have a more adult mindset they're very aware of you know what's going on with the the fireflies and you know things like that so it's very interesting to see see her take on that kind of a responsibility of sounding like an adult
0: and then from there they continue their epic journey so far so in those first couple of episodes we've seen them go from Joel starts out in San Antonio, they end up in Boston, and then we begin this episode 10 miles west of Boston, but then they have a five-hour hike ahead of them. And Ellie is – she continues to sort of showcase how scared she is without outright, like, saying, I'm scared of this. She kind of just – she's questioning Joel, like, uh, are they infected on this path? Have you been this way before? yeah joel is kind of like no but he's continually like on the lookout making sure there's not people or anything around and i think that shows that he's still a little bit nervous about even after having been out in this world for so many times and pretty much encountering everything possible he thinks yeah he's still a little bit wary of his surroundings all the time and ellie kind of has to pick up on that and do the same
1: absolutely yeah i think it's um he's essentially he's just showing her, you know, it's it's not necessarily that he's he's scared, but he is aware that there are other things out there, even though they might not come across them, regardless if it's an infected or just another group of people that, you know, decide that they just don't like them or something like that, which I don't think Ellie really realizes, At you know, that there could be more than just infected out there. I don't think she realizes the dangers of everything going on outside.
0: Yeah, and like, even if you travel down this path, Hundreds of times successfully in the past doesn't mean it's still safe. Still keep your head on a swivel.
1: No, things change on the the daily. Yeah.
0: And then we get them to have another bonding moment when she asks Joel about the scar on his head. and She makes a a very Ellie comment, makes it a bit of a joke. Is it something lame like you fell down the stairs?
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Joel responds saying, no, someone shot at me and missed It happens more often than you think, which is, I think, like, trying to highlight to her, like, just because you have a gun, even though he doesn't know that she has a gun, like, just because we have a gun doesn't mean we're safe. Like, you you can't guarantee that you're going to hit everyone every time.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. It's also, like, joke at the game, too, because guns were one of the, (laughs) they were in the game and they were helpful, but, yeah, they weren't really the point of call when you got into action sequences. They were, like, I'm being swamped now okay it's time to use the gun
1: oh yeah no it's weird that you say that because i remember briefly when i did play it i and anytime i'm in a first-person shooter game i always end up like stabbing things probably when i shouldn't i'd be like in a horde of things and i'll just still stab stab everywhere it's probably why <laughs> i die a lot but i also forget what button is a trigger button on a gun sometimes so because i go from like the the ps4 controller to the switch controller and they're they're opposite flip-flops sometimes so i always kind of just screw myself over and then i end up shanking things all the time
0: <laughs> yeah like i remember when i was when i was playing this that my first option was always try to sneak around and stab as many things as possible and then if i got into trouble then it was like okay i can't continue to sneak around i can't get away from these it's time to use the guns and all guns blazing at that point yeah <laughs> they continue they get through part of their hike and they arrive at cumberland farms which it is apparently a stash house for Joel, even though he can't exactly remember where he stashed the stuff.
1: I think it's um, really funny that they used an actual gas station in the game too. Like, I always find it really funny when like games do that where they take actual places and put them in the games versus just like a generic, you know, gas station name or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, because there's like a Cumberland Farms down the road from my house, it was just really like funny for me to see that in, the, in that. <laughs>
0: I guess it yeah it helps to make this a much more grounded and real experience rather than just being generic gas station.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was really just a, a funny thing to me because I didn't I didn't expect it. So.
0: And I I loved the moment where they walk into the gas station. and Ellie like flips out because there's a Mortal Kombat machine. And I thought that was really cute and like adds that sense of kid like wonder to her because up until this point she has been like quite adult and mature.
1: hmm Yeah. You I think you see like a little spark of like her. Maybe like her old self, like, or some form of like her trying to relive something that she wished she wished she still had maybe or something versus having to do this now that she's doing.
0: And then as she prepares to go and explore, she asks Joel, is there anything bad in here? And we get the first time where Joel says, no, just you.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, which is a fun little joke that continues on through the season where anytime she wants to go and explore somewhere and asks is it it okay like is there anything bad in here joel's always like no just you
1: makes sense (laughs) and it's kind of that's like that kind of like small like fatherly like joking manner that he has with her i think it just shows like he really does care
0: about her and stuff yeah they're starting to to form their connection and Mm -hmm. then ellie does the classic horror movie thing where she finds a a dark manhole trap hole thing and decides I'm going to jump in there. Of course. Like, what are you doing? That's a, that's a terrible idea. Don't jump in random dark holes when there might be zombie infected.
1: No, of course you do that. You always do that in games. That's where the best stuff usually is.
0: Well, she finds something down there. <laughs> a couple of things, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Felt extra stupid because of in one of the earlier episodes, Joel was telling her about how the, the fungus grows faster and stronger underground. And she's just like, I'm just jumping this hole. Like, no.
1: My bad. I'm curious. What's down here?
0: Yeah, once she's down there, she finds a box of tampons. Necessary. And a trapped, infected, is like stuck under some rubble. And when it first like makes a noise, that's pretty scary because she's in this dark hole by herself and you're kind of like, uh-oh, how's she going to get out of this? And then camera pans around and we see that he's trapped and we get a real close-up look of the cordyceps growth and infection on him. And it's like, oh, geez, that is really disturbing looking.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty gnarly. I think that was like really her first, like one of her first up close encounters with, with one that's not like attacking her essentially. So she can kind of more like examine it, especially because it's, it's an alive specimen versus the dead ones that they saw in the previous episode. Um, so I think she's more intrigued by it to try and understand it a little bit. I think not that that's the best idea to go and, and look at it.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then we also get like her sadistic side as well where in the first episode when joel beats up that soldier you sort of see ellie in the background kind of being like Mm oh i'm kind of into this violent side and yet this moment she gets to sort of act that out herself when she crouches down and she slices its forehead open before like killing it just to sort of see what's under the skin and then and then she just puts it out of its misery and like stabs it in the head. And I was like, uh, Ellie, that was really sadistic and gross.
1: Yeah, it was a grody scene even for me to, and I've watched some gross shit, but that was just one of those like cringy kind of moments. Like anything that has like stuff like pus or something like that, that comes out of a, a wound, it's like, whoa, gross. Mm. <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, that was a very big yuck factor for me. But I mean, I guess it gives her a little bit more character. And like, you can kind of see now where she's, I think starting to become more comfortable with uh, the fact that she's going to have to defend herself or she at least realizes that she might get into situations where she has to learn to defend herself. So, you know, it, it's as weird as it is, I'm kind of like, I was almost kind of like proud of her for having that moment because, you know, if something bad had happened, Joel wasn't, wouldn't have known where the heck it was coming from initially. So she would have had to take it into her own hands.
0: Yeah, and you kind of see in her eyes, she has that same look as in the the escape from the QZ scene, and yeah, I think you, it makes you realize, yeah, she's totally capable of handling anything that comes her way. Even though she is a fourteen-year-old girl, she's she's willing and able to kill things if she needs to.
1: Yeah, she's a little badass. I'd have Team Ellie on, on with me any day. <laughs> and then
0: she climbs back up out of the hole, reunites with Joel, who is stashing the assault rifle, and she seems really confused and annoyed by this. But Joel says, "Yeah, it's because there's no ammo for this type of gun." That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean it's heavy, so why why bring it if you don't need it?
0: Yeah, especially if you got no ammo for it, it's just a waste of time and I think that's also another like reference to the games where sometimes you would be carrying a gun and just wouldn't be able to find ammo anywhere in the the world and just like, "Oh god, what? Why do I even have this? This is just annoying."
1: I didn't expect that like to be in the game, but I mean, I mean it makes sense and it gives it like that much more of a real feel, but that's a really interesting kind of thing that they did, I guess with it.
0: Yeah, that's that's the fun part with the game. It doesn't doesn't overload you with resources unless you play it on mm. like one of the lower difficulties. That's that's one of the bigger things you notice as you put the difficulty level up on the game. You just get less and less resources in the world.
1: Oh yeah, no easy mode all day. Please give me give me all the ammo every corner. I'm cool.
0: Mm-hmm. They continue on their journey, and we get to see one of the major scenes that they used. I think in the first like reveal photo in the marketing the. Ellie and Joel looking at the the plane crash wreckage and I thought that was that looked incredible and I love how Ellie's like kind of jealous of Joel yeah having flown in the past she's like you were in the sky
1: you've been in the sky (laughs) yeah it's just such an innocent thing for someone to say it's like oh wow you you've been up there like that's crazy um and you can tell she's kind of overwhelmed I think she's kind of on like sensory overload when she essentially sees it because It's just so new to her to to see that kind of thing.
0: In that moment, this is where they sort of give a lot more expanding on the lore of how the outbreak began with Ellie saying, asking how how it started. She, her hypothesis is that it was monkeys, which is very funny because that's kind of very closely to COVID, but.
1: That's always the theory. Whenever something breaks out, it's always monkeys.
0: Yep, yeah, the old outbreak movies and stuff like that, they were funny. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And yeah, Joel said, it says, I thought you went to school. And she's like, no, I went to federal school. It was shitty and didn't, didn't teach me how your shitty government failed to prevent a pandemic. I was like, oh, that's funny commentary and probably going to be totally memed galore once this episode airs.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it.
0: But then Joel kind of explains his theory, which is that cordyceps got into the food supply via either flour, sugar, or water, or something like that. And he basically says, if you eat enough of it, you would have become infected. He believes the tainted food probably hit the shelves on, say, Thursday. People were buying it Thursday, eating it Thursday night, Friday morning. Mm -hmm. And then the more that they sort of consumed it, they became infected. And then the outbreak kicks off on that Friday night.
1: Which is a really good theory, honestly. Like, it's a, a genius way of looking at it, really you never know, like ever <laughs> it's kind of scary, honestly, if you think about it that way too
0: yeah, it's very logical in terms of like a fungus could easily grow in like a bag of flour or sugar or something like that
1: absolutely hundred percent I mean you if you have something on the shelf long enough, sometimes they have like little bugs in them when you open it up, so I mean it's nothing for for something to actually develop in there.
0: Joel's theory actually kind of con- confirms a theory that was proposed after episode one that Cordyceps was probably in flour Mm. because the world's largest flour mill like in real life is in Jakarta and we're shown the outbreak beginning in Jakarta that first second episode actually. Yeah. So and they talk about it happening at a factory. So yeah, that makes me think that's pretty close.
1: That is really interesting.
0: That very first episode, Joel, Sarah and Tommy all miraculously avoid eating flour based products. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, because they're having like scrambled eggs for breakfast.
0: They have no pancake mix, so they don't eat flour.
1: Yeah, the, the pancake mix is gone. Yeah, so they just have like scrambled eggs.
0: They turned down the biscuits from the neighbors because Joel is on mm-hmm. Atkins.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the guy only feeding the old lady the biscuits in mm-hmm. the beginning too, Yep. which also goes with that. Yep. And then they made cookies, but she didn't take any cookies home.
0: Yeah, because they were raisin, not chop chips, so she doesn't eat.
1: Right, She doesn't yeah. eat any on the spot. Mm-hmm.
0: And then Joel forgot the birthday cake.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, a
0: whole bunch of things that kind of make you think, yeah, maybe Joel was right and it was in flower.
1: That is really an interesting, like, looking back at that now, that's a really interesting theory that I never would have caught on to before. But that's, that's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, so pretty much, I'm pretty sure Joel was correct in his little assumption and theory. Damn. This episode is the one that confirms that the outbreak day happened. Friday night, September 26, 2003 in the series. And they basically say that, yeah, it happened Friday night, but by Monday morning, everything was gone. And Ellie looks like totally devastated by how quickly it all happened. She's just like, wow, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely insane.
0: And then Ellie is like continuing on the path and Joel weirdly tries to divert them and take a random offshoot. And Ellie can't work out why, but she is determined in her stubborn little feisty way to continue down the path yeah. because there's no serial killers or axe murderers. Right. So she's fine with going down this path. But then they stumble across a mass grave, which I think breaks Ellie's heart in that moment, especially when Joel kind of explains what it was with on Outbreak Day. Outbreak Day uh, the soldiers started collecting people from towns, telling them they were going to be taken taken to quarantine zones but the truth was only if there was space in those quarantine zones if not they were just going to kill everyone so yeah not everybody was necessarily infected some of those people were totally healthy
1: yeah it was a really sad moment like that that part really hit me just watching watching ellie's reaction to learning about that was really really sad and the fact that they even they went in depth in the episode and showed like Potential like daily, you know what those people did during the day, and then getting on like the the truck and being told, oh yeah, you're going this place. Like if they hadn't like shown like that little like you know backstory like little moment.
0: Yeah, the little flashback.
1: Yeah, the little flashback. I don't think it would have been as bad, but the fact that like you actually got to see these people and you know they really believed it, and then boink, they're right over
0: there in the mass grave. Yeah, and no, I think we sort of see Ellie, she goes from heartbroken to just angry and confused as to why they would do that. And Joel basically says, dead people can't become infected. So that was kind of their their reasoning, rather than just leaving them out in these outlying towns.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it was like their version of like population control at that point, in a really twisted sense.
0: Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, they just kind of, they couldn't fit them in a quarantine zone, but they also didn't want to have extra people out in the wild that could then become infected and overrun the quarantine zone so yeah Yeah. very sad moment but during that flashback to the sort of mass genocide of the town is when we're introduced to good old bill hiding out in his underground bunker
1: that guy's wonderful he's so cool i love him there's like a movie like a really old movie where they have like a crazy neighbor that's like that and he like has like a whole bomb shelter ready to go and stuff and he's always like strapped full of like ammo and like (laughs) guns and shit. And I'm like, oh my god, that, that's what Bill's like in this show. I'm like, holy crap, he's just ready for Doomsday, I'm like Doomsday Prepper to the max.
0: Yeah, full on Doomsday Prepper, played by Nick Offerman, which is was a very interesting casting choice, but I think he does a phenomenal job throughout this episode, much better than I would have initially expected because he's kind of known for his comedy roles.
1: He usually does like comedy stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was really interesting to see him play such a serious, kind of down to earth, you know, end of the world moment.
0: <laughs> Con O'Neill from Chernobyl was originally cast in that role, but had to drop out because of a scheduling conflict. So Nick was not the original choice, but I'm glad they sort of went with him. He, he looks a lot like the Bill from the games. And yeah, like we said, he gives a phenomenal performance. So kind of one of those moments where it's like, oh, maybe it was for the best that the other guy couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I feel like that, that happens a lot. I mean, you know, this one is just really... Was really good i think he gave it his all and it worked out perfectly
0: and then we get one of the another sort of reference to the game with him exiting his bunker after everyone's left town in a full gas mask which i thought was a cool thing but then they, they quickly get rid of that and he kind of appears happy that everyone's gone he's like oh, i'm happy with this i have gonna hold town to myself
1: yeah because he, he doesn't have to worry about anything yeah it's just it's like his own little like you know oasis of happiness he can do whatever he wants you know he can build whatever he wants or you know change everything he doesn't have to mow the yard anymore you know he doesn't have to keep up with the appearances and stuff so he's living his best life
0: and then yeah like you said building he goes into full prep mode where he starts barricading up the town building a fence uh, raiding all the the shops and the gas station to get all as much fuel as he can and even goes to home depot to get a few things
1: he has like booby traps everywhere around the radius and stuff. It's great.
0: <laughs> Full booby traps, fence, security cameras and alarms. Uh,
1: it's a fortress. It's like the people from Walking Dead would have been happy to have that guy on their team is all I can say. Like if, if they
0: had built, they would have been fine. <laughs> and like when he's at Home Depot, the electricity and everything cuts off. And he's like, oh, that was quicker than I expected, but makes a little detour and quickly goes and restores the water and gas supply to the town. So. He's perfectly set in this town with his nice fence and basically self-sustaining town that has all these fruits and vegetables growing in the backyard. He's sweet as.
1: Yeah, it's great. I really loved the Home Depot scenario. Like, that just made me laugh really hard when I watched that because it was like, if I were in that middle of that kind of, you know, pandemic or whatever, I'd do the same thing. Like, Home Depot would be one of my first stops.
0: hmm Yep. I've always said if there was a zombie outbreak, I'm going to Bunnings getting as much stuff as I need and then I'm going to the, the shipping port and stealing one of those giant ships.
1: Yeah I mean why not?
0: I just go and park it off out in the ocean and just look at everything and turn to shit.
1: Yeah it will be fine you'll be good. Uh,
0: and I love that we sort of see that Bill is kind of a foodie even though he's all alone in this town by himself he cooks up and cooks himself up some like really high quality restaurant quality cuisine and pairs it with the perfect wines he's like, oh I'm I'm totally happy cooking fancy dinners for myself and watching infected get blown away by my booby traps on the security cameras.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's, it's his own form of entertainment, you know, dinner and a show. I mean, why not? When in Rome, right?
0: <laughs> and then we get a, a time jump. We go four years into the future. So 2007, when an alarm sounds, the, the camera pops up and there's nothing there. So he's like, okay, someone's fallen into my booby trap pit hole thing Mm -hmm. he goes out and all we hear from inside the hole was i'm not infected and it's like okay
1: that's what an infected person would say
0: (laughs) bill gets very cautious he asks are you armed and we get a nice delayed response from the person in the hole he says uh no i'm not and then bill again very wary he's like why would you take so long to answer that
1: (laughs) yeah you should have been quicker dude Mm -hmm. what do you have to hide
0: The person answers, I I thought about lying, but I just couldn't come up with a good reason to lie. I'm a very bad liar. So they just continue. He basically explains that I was from the Baltimore QZ, which has now been overrun. And somehow Bill has a testing device. I'm not sure where that was. Did someone like drop it during the, the, like when they were rounding everyone up or what?
1: It could have happened. He could have found it randomly in a parking lot. He could have made it himself, although it looked really legit. So who knows?
0: Yeah, it was exactly the same as the one in episode one. So
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he could have swiped it. I mean, he was underground when everybody was, like, vacating or whatever. So I'm guessing that someone just dropped it on the ground. He goes, hmm, I wonder what this does, and just keeps it around.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming it was just left behind or something. So he's just like, sweet, I'm going to use this anytime someone comes up to my town. And he tests tests the person, and he's fine. We learn that this person is Frank. And basically, all Bill wants to do is send Frank on his way. He doesn't want any part of helping this guy. Frank manages to convince him to at least feed him. And then that's when their whole sort of story begins. They they go back home. Bill allows Frank to have a shower, which would be pretty amazing after what, four years of potentially not having great showers, just having cold, cold water here and there where you can.
1: Yeah. If you find like a river or a lake or something and hope for the best.
0: Bill has hot water, running hot water. So
1: he's sweet. Yeah.
0: Although Frank does tell him later in the episode, Go and have a shower. So maybe Bill's not not the most fastidious about showering regularly.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when you're by yourself and you're not trying to impress anybody, I guess, you know, anything goes. But, you know, if it's the end of the world and I have all the best kind of supplies and necessities, I'm going to take full advantage of it.
0: Yeah, I'm showering every day in that situation. Like, yeah, this is great.
1: Oh, yeah. Long shower, like hour and a half long shower is given to me.
0: Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far because I'd be super worried about my water just stopping and then be like, "Uh uh-oh.
1: All right, fine. Whatever. Longer than normal.
0: <laughs> they sit down for a meal, and in this first meal, they're total opposite ends of the table, which I think is fitting because, yeah, Bill is still a little bit cautious of this guy, like, what what's he up to? But by the end of the episode, they're sitting right next to each other, which shows – great way to show, like, the growth in their relationship.
1: Yeah, no, I really liked that. It was really fun, just – you see Bill go from someone who's like super duper cautious, like don't don't come near me, to someone who's just like, all right, maybe he's not so bad. I could use somebody to talk to.
0: <laughs> by the end of it, he's incredibly protective as well. Yeah. Bill impresses Frank by pairing rabbit with the perfect wine, which, at this moment, we is where you sort of go. There's some weird like sexual tension between these two.
1: Yeah, like you're not you're not fooling anybody.
0: <laughs> and then Frank goes and jumps on the piano much to Bill's disgust in terms of how badly he plays this piano and sings he's like nope nope not like that nope yeah please stop (laughs) so he steps in and shows Frank how it's done and in this moment you see Frank look at Bill and you go "Uh oh he just fell in love with this guy
1: yeah it was a really sweet moment though like you just it's like the aha moment and it's really cute and really sweet that they were able to Come together at like the end of the world, essentially, kind of moment.
0: Especially when he asks, Who is the girl you're singing about?
1: Yeah.
0: And Bill basically just says, No, there's no girl. And that's, it, yeah, in that moment, you realize, Huh, maybe Bill is also gay. Yep. Which is something in the game that was like alluded to, especially when later when Ellie finds his magazine stash. <laughs> that was the moment that confirmed it. But in this episode, it's not until sort of this moment where you start to go, Huh, maybe. They go to bed together, it's all fine, normal, and then we get another time jump three years later to 2010 and Frank is storming out of the house after having a massive (laughs) argument or whilst in the middle of a big argument like, oh, what's happened here? Why? They went from like super caring and loving to, okay, we're three years in the future and these guys are ready to kill each other after living alone for so long, which I guess makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you'd probably get on each other's nerves after a while of not having like a an area to just like vent or someone else to vent to, or you know, even just a place to go blow off steam. Like that could get very, very uh, repetitive.
0: And I love the frank accusing Bill of believing the government are Nazis, and Bill's just response is, "The government are all Nazis."
1: Yep. Like, that just proves that he was, like, a conspiracy theorist and he had all these wild, wacky things. Like, he's exactly what you expect out of someone that was so well-prepared like he was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Frank just goes, yeah, they are now. They weren't before. <laughs> I thought it was funny. And another one of those things that's going to be create a bunch of memes after this episode. I think this is going to be a very sort of viral oh, yeah. episode.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This is going to have a lot of different ones like that.
0: <laughs> During this argument is when we learn that Frank actually wants to work with other people outside of their little commune town. And Bill is not happy about this. He does not want to have any part in working with anyone or wasting resources on mowing the lawn and fixing up the, the boutique in town and the shops in town. He's like, no, why are we doing that? So it's, yeah, that is not going to help us live any longer.
1: No, he's happy in his own little utopia where nobody else has to like know about them even being there. Like. You just live happily ever after together, essentially, with no no problems.
0: And to close out the argument is Frank reveals that he's been talking to a nice woman on the radio and whole boy is Bill Furious at this and we learn that the woman is Tess.
1: Yep, yep. I, I like how they have like that normal that's like your own like stereotypical like couples fight too. And it's so funny to see that because it's just the two of them. And, you know, there's nothing else that would have, like, you know, no other couples that you could see that it would be, like, going through the same kind of thing. So I don't have anybody to talk to about those kind of problems. Um, so I think it's just really funny to watch that kind of play out.
0: As I was mentioning, this episode is a big change from the games because in the games we never actually meet Frank. It's only Joel and Ellie we see interact with Bill in the, the township that's, like, all gated off and... They get into a big battle at the end and the town gets overrun. But this one, we get to see Joel and Tess interacting with Bill and Frank. And this is who they've been communicating with over the radio. And I like that Bill and Joel recognize that they're both very similar. They're both quite paranoid about dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tess and Frank are like, no, if we all help each other, we'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And you can even tell like Bill and Joel, like, they don't like each other at all initially, like they are both very skeptical of the whole situation. They're not on board with it at all. Like they would rather be on opposite sides of the world, far away from everybody. And yeah, Tess and and Frank are just like best buddies. Like, Hey, how's it going? You know?
0: Yeah. They're they're like, you've got stuff I need. I've got stuff you need. Let's just work together and help each other. And Bill and Joel is like, Nope.
1: Fend for yourself.
0: (laughs) I don't trust you. I'm looking after my own interests and making sure me and my people are safe.
1: Yeah. It is really funny.
0: But then Joel does try to reassure Bill that, hey, at least the one person that you were talking to on the radio was Tess and we're decent people.
1: Yeah. Because that could have been a really dangerous game with whoever was on the other line. Like you've no clue.
0: They could have come up, spoken to anyone. And I think it's when Joel points out, uh, yeah, your fence is aluminium and it's corroding already. It's not going to last all that long, but I have repairs back in the QZ that I can give you that will let you build a fence that will last the rest of your lifetimes. And I think that's when Bill kind of goes, "Mm, okay, I guess I probably do need to work with this guy.
1: Yeah, he's not so bad after all. We kind of want the same things.
0: And that's when we hear Tess and Frank talk about their their radio code as well. So that confirms that this was the people that were playing the 80s music in episode one. Yeah, that was
1: really... That's really funny and like fun how it ties all together, you know, it just comes in like a big circle finally and you get to understand that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think that is again like showing how detailed and specific they have been in putting this show together to make sure it's all very accurate and not just random bits and pieces thrown in. Like so far, I don't think there's been like any plot holes in the first three episodes. Like everything has made sense and felt like it fits in that universe.
1: Yeah, like anything that was an added bonus or something that works with it. It doesn't, it's not like an exaggeration.
0: It's all building on the stories of the game. It's not taking things away or adding unnecessary stuff. It's like all working to, to further the story, which is nice. Mm. Uh, and then we get one more time jump three years later to 2013 and uh, Bill and Frank are on their little afternoon or morning run through town and Bill's struggling to keep up, but they go to a patch of strawberries, uh, <laughs> which Frank traded Tess one of Bill's guns to get which
1: yeah it was hilarious to see his reaction
0: bill looks very annoyed to begin with until he tastes a strawberry and then he's like okay yeah no that was probably a fair trade
1: yep didn't he say like what one was it or something like that Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it was like what was it a good one or a bad one kind of moment like yeah what
0: what gun did what did which one was it uh, just a small one
1: yeah it's no big deal pro-
0: probably just like a handgun or something but yeah to begin with, he's not so happy. But then later in the episode, we see, I think he could give, or give up a gun or two.
1: Yeah, you, you think? Just a little bit. His whole arsenal is just massive, but...
0: Between the two of them, they only have four hands. You can only use a maximum four guns at a time.
1: I mean, with the way Bill was, he could probably shoot with his toes, honestly.
0: That's fair. <laughs> That's sort of their loving couple moment, especially when Bill says, I was never afraid before you showed up. And now... It's in that moment where you're like, yeah, no, these two are properly in love because, yeah, he's actually afraid to lose someone now rather than if the infected come and swarm this town, so be it. It's just me. Whereas now he's just like, he has someone to protect and fight for.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: And then we get the, the invaders sneaking up on the, the township and Bill's cool contraptions come into effect with, we saw him earlier building this weird like angle grinder contraption. Like, oh, what the heck is this? It turns out it's basically a sparker to build giant flamethrowers.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. When they finally like shot off and and did their thing, it was really cool to
0: watch. Yeah, I imagine that was pretty terrifying as the raiders. You walk in and all of a sudden there's like half a dozen angle grinders going off and there's just big sparks. And you're like, what the heck is this? That that's not gonna hurt me. Yeah. And then the flames hit and you're like, oh Jesus.
1: Yep, <laughs> I'm done for. I thought
0: that was very cool. And then Frank wakes up and Bill is Already out in the middle of a gunfight in the uh, absolute worst position possible. Yeah. Just middle of the street, no cover against multiple enemies. Like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah,
1: he's just guns are blazing, balls to the walls. Let's go. <laughs> like, I'm not afraid of you.
0: Yeah. When, when Frank looks out the window and you just see Bill in the middle of the, the road with just a rifle, you're like, oh, what are you doing, bro? There's literally no cover there. You are in big trouble. And turns out he was. He gets shot in the stomach.
1: Yeah, it's not so good.
0: As sort of Bill sort of starts to fade, he's running through his survival plan with Frank and basically just says, call Joel. He can look after you. And I think that's when he realise, okay, they have been working together. He kind of does trust Joel now, which is another moment where you see the growth in these characters.
1: Yeah, which is really, it's, it's good in a way. And like, it's good to know that, you know, even though they got off to a bad start or, you know, a little rough around the edges, they really did look out for each other in a whole.
0: And then we get the final time jump, or the episode. We go ten years later to twenty twenty three, which is the same time period that everything's happening with Ellie and Joel in Boston, and we see the painting of Frank, uh, painting that Frank's doing of Joel, which looks exactly like the game version. I thought that was very cool.
1: Oh, that is really fun.
0: Person in the painting looks like it's um, Joel from the game. I was like, that's that's cool. They're they're old men now. Frank confined to a wheelchair and has to take a bunch of meds and. He wakes up one day and decides this is going to my, be my final day, and it's like, oh boy, this episode's about to get real sad.
1: Yep. No, but like, they give you a mini warning, as in, like, oh, it's my last day. But at the same time, there was no warning. It was just like, oh yeah, here we are, this time frame, and we're done.
0: Yeah, and you can see Bill is devastated by this news, and he goes through like the whole range of emotions of grieving where he's kind of shocked, he's bargaining, he's angry, he's just like, We'll find a doctor. And Frank reminds him, "Um, there wasn't a cure for this before the world fell apart. What makes you think there is going to be one now?
1: Yeah, it's a really sad kind of moment. But, you know, he he wanted to go out like with it on his terms, I think, um, which is, I guess, better than, you know, being attacked by the infected or anything like that. Like he got to choose that for himself, which was a kind of sweet kind of thing in a weird sense.
0: I think he also didn't want to become a burden for Bill as well. Like, you already see that, yeah, he's confined to a wheelchair, so he can't really help out around town or producing the food and everything. He's kind of just, he's stuck at home. It's forcing them to trade more with Joel and Tess for the medications as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess he just decided he didn't want to be a burden anymore. But we get that really loving moment where he says to Bill, I've had more good days with you than I have with anybody else. So just give me one more. Good day, and he wants to get married. He wants to have Bill cook him another one of his incredible dinners, but he also wants him to crush a giant bag of tablets and put them in his wine so that he can go out that way.
1: Yeah, it was a really, really sad moment. Like the whole setup was, it was, you know, what he wanted to do on his final day, but at the same time, it was still really sad to just watch that whole process go through.
0: When Bill's crying, Frank asks, Do you love me? And Bill says yes, and he goes, "Well then, love me the way I want you to." Yeah, which is yeah, very a very sad moment, like totally heartbreaking sequence. And then, like we said, we go to the their final dinner together. They are right next to each other, which yeah shows how how close they've come from opposite ends of this giant table to now,
1: so right next to each other.
0: Essentially, yeah, being one one unit. Mm-hmm. They go to they pour the wine. Bill places pours the whole bag of crushed up tablets into the wine and see Frank, basically, drink it all down in one gulp. You're like, okay, yep. it's, this is it. It's about to happen. And for me, because I knew what the game was, I assumed it was just going to end up being, Bill's going to watch this happen, and that's why he's kind of this real curmudgeon character in the game, like kind of like he is at the start of this episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But then we see Bill skull his whole bottle of wine oh whole glass of wine as well and you're like well oh, hang on yeah so i'm thinking watching it being like oh is this, is this going to be like a failed double suicide type thing yeah and bill's going to survive it and that's why he's so grumpy because he wasn't supposed to be around but you see frank realize wait why did he just drink that whole thing of wine in one go yeah that's that suspect and he asks there was already uh, pills in the bottle wasn't there Bill just goes, ah, yeah, enough to kill a horse. So you're like, okay, they're both about to go down. Yep. And Bill basically tells him, this isn't the tragic suicide at the end of the play. I'm old as well. I'm satisfied. And you were my purpose. And Frank replies, I don't support this, but it is incredibly romantic. And you're like, okay. Yeah, it was really sad. They are both about to die. And that was such a heartbreaking moment, watching them just walk off to bed together go off to bed together like frank can't walk
1: yeah because like bill realized that he probably just couldn't live without frank like he'd be miserable by himself you know and he didn't want to live that kind of a, a life where he was just completely depressed and alone
0: yeah and i guess yeah especially when he talks about frank became his purpose like if frank's gone what is the point yeah you don't have anything left i'm just living for the sake of living i don't actually have a reason to be here and Like I said, it was a heartbreaking love story and kind of continues the whole theme of the overall series being all about love as a survival mechanism, like without love, what is kind of the purpose of living?
1: Right. Worst moment ever. And yeah, like I said, I was
0: was expecting it to be a failed double suicide, but it's not one of the most emotional episodes of the show. And then we get to Joel and Ellie arriving at the town. And at this moment, I was like, okay, it's going to stop being sad now, like, we're going to get here. They're going to just move on and survive. I was still expecting Bill to have not died just because of the way the game was, but the massive change there and they go into Bill's house. And I think Joel quickly realizes something is wrong because they've managed to get yeah so far into town.
1: And nothing's happened.
0: All the way into the house and Bill hasn't done anything. Like, okay, something's right. something's not right here. They look into the kitchen and you see the the table with all the food scraps still there and the empty pill Mm -hmm. bag still on the dining table while joel's searching the house ellie finds the note that was yeah that was sad that she kind of had to discover it first
1: yeah especially with her not really knowing anything about about them it's kind of like a really shell shock kind of moment for her i think
0: and i like that bill knew that by leaving this note joel would ultimately be the one that found it because basically says anyone else would have been electrocuted or blown up by the traps. So the only person that was ever finding this note was going to be Joel and Tess. Yeah. Yeah, the letter says, take anything you need. I never liked you, but it's like we're friends almost and I respect you. Uh, I used to hate the world and I was happy when everyone died, but I was wrong because there was one person worth saving. So that's what I did. And then I protected him. That is why men like you and I are here. We have a job to do. And God help any motherfuckers who stand in our way. I leave you all of my weapons and equipment. Use them to keep Tess safe. And I think, yeah, that line, you can see on Pedro's face at that that's the moment that breaks Joel and he has to literally walk out of the house and have a moment alone away from Ellie because it's it's too much and he kind of doesn't want to burden her with that.
1: Yeah, because he's realizing like if he... You know, if he was having trouble, like, accepting, like, Tessa's death, he's now realizing, like, not only is he accepting her death, he's also accepting the fact that, like, Bill's not there either anymore. Like, there, everybody's gone. Everybody that he knew is pretty much gone.
0: Yeah, like, everyone that he was looking after and protecting is gone. The only one left mm-hmm. is Ellie. Yeah. It's time to, let, let's shift focus and do everything I can to protect this person because I've lost everyone so far, so let's make sure this one makes it. Yeah. Then they get the, the ute.
1: It's a truck. It's a pickup.
0: <laughs> they get in that and Joel basically tells Ellie, uh, we're going to go find my brother, Tommy. He's in Wyoming. He used to be a firefly, so maybe he can help us. But if you're coming with me, there are three rules. Never talk about Tess. Don't tell anyone about your condition because if anyone sees that bite mark, they're going to shoot first, ask questions later. And do what I say when I say it. And... I think Ellie kind of realizes, what else am I going to do? Yes.
1: Yeah, like I don't have any other options here.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to stay in this random house in the middle of nowhere by myself. Like, fine. Yeah. Come with you. And they explain why the 80s music was playing on the radio by saying, yeah, it was on this automatic timer where if Bill didn't go and reset it every so often, it would automatically just start playing an 80s playlist to warn Joel and Tess just so happened that yeah. they left right before that time it ended damn that's
1: rough i also love um i like ellie exploring the the truck when she gets in because she's never been in a truck mm-hmm. so she's like is this a spaceship he's like no it's not a spaceship
0: yeah no it's just a just a shitty old truck and i loved that she talks about it being a spaceship because in the games we find out that she has this weird like obsession and infatuation with space.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: So yeah, for her to call it a spaceship I was like okay, that's cool.
1: That's funny. And then yeah, um, I know you had mentioned before um, when we were talking before about the seatbelt moment <laughs> when he has to sort of buckle like buckle your seatbelt, and she just stares at him. What are you talking about? What is that?
0: <laughs> yeah, like I I don't know what that is. Like, what are you talking about? What the hell is a seatbelt? <laughs> mm-hmm. He has to show her and. Just before they got in the the truck as well, Ellie got her gun. She's been asking for a gun for every episode up until now and she finally finds one and she's like, okay, stashing that in my bag without telling Joel.
1: Yeah, it's all mine now.
0: (laughs) She seems pretty happy about having that and once they start to drive away, Ellie finds the cassette tape in the glove box, a Linda Ronstadt cassette, uh, the song Long, Long Time, then they... They kind of drive off and they leave Bill and Frank's bodies undisturbed. And that was kind of just like, wow, that was easily the most heartbreaking and emotional episode. Like losing Sarah was tough, but we did only sort of get 20 minutes with her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This one, we got
1: a whole episode, pretty much
0: a solid 40, 45 minutes with them. Yeah. Seeing their whole love story play out. So to lose them, was kind of like, wow.
1: Yeah, you have, like, a really deep connection.
0: And also because it was so different from the game, it hit me rather than
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Sarah one I knew was coming. Yeah. So it didn't hit me as much. But seeing this one play out, I was like, okay, Bill's going to survive until Joel gets here at least. And then we'll get the, the infected and raiders, raiders come through and then all hell breaks loose and they have to bail. And Bill stays behind. But right. Yeah, to just see... Bill and Frank go out together. It was kind of like, whoa, but I didn't see that coming at all.
1: Yeah, it was a rough watch. Like, got me in my feels. And I didn't expect a show like this to actually have such a harsh kind of, like, emotional uh, toll, take its toll on me like that. But it's done a good job so far.
0: Mm -hmm. In terms of rating, what would you give this episode?
1: Oh, another five. They've all been five so far. I don't think it's going to change, honestly.
0: Yeah, I can't see there being a bad like a we're not getting a two or three episode in this season i don't think no so far straight across fives um easily the the episode with the biggest changes to the game but i think they were all very well done in terms of being able to explore this story more but doing it in a way that adds to the story rather than being a dramatic change just for the sake of making a dramatic change
1: yeah it worked it wasn't forced it didn't feel like it was a forced addition. it was a nice like transition
0: into it and seeing seeing bill and frank go out in that way made sense too like even though in the game bill's bill survives it made sense that he went out with frank rather than
1: yeah
0: okay we're just making a change so that we don't have to have this interaction and have this big battle sequence like it just it fit with the story and like we said made it way more emotional than it perhaps would have been if bill had survived absolutely because we would have probably needed another 25 minutes to then deal with Bill's emotions afterwards.
1: Yeah, it'd have been, oof, it would have been bad.
0: So that's The Last of Us episode three. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee. And you can follow me on social media at Apps Media and at Pario Magazine. Thanks for having me. The Commentary Booth is a fan funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine Pario Magazine on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Apps Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Karina Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.